Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully. He's Gordon Mack. Got a busy show for you on this Monday morning. Talking Usain Bolt, Iliad Kipchoge, some fast marathon results. And we'll go into the mailbag to get some feedback on Gordon's cross-country idea that is already just taking storm all throughout the country, revolutionizing the way people approach the sport. Not really. It's actually just getting a couple emails. Um, but I'm excited to read them. Gordon, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm on edge. I'm on pins and needles. As you know, I'm a Philadelphia sports fan, and the Philadelphia sports haven't been too kind to me lately. So I put all of my energy into my fantasy football team. And I know people don't like listening about other people's fantasy football team, but I've been done fantasy my entire life well, since I was of age. And I've had season 6-0. and I'm currently 5-0. and And I'm going up against another 5-0 and team. And if I could start the first six weeks, 6-0, and that would be incredible. It all comes down to Monday Night Football. I have Emmanuel Sanders, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. The other guy has some guy named Derrick Henry, running back for Tennessee Titans. So likely I am not going to win, but I'm putting all my positive energy into the Bills' wide receiver core over the running backs of Tennessee. So that's what's going on in my life. Bleak yeah. outlook for Gordon Mack, folks. Uh, that's what happens when Ben Ben Simmons doesn't tell people he's going to show up and just shows up at the Sixers practice facility after you spent years and years pouring your heart into that team. Uh, as I mentioned, we'll, we'll talk about some big names here because we got Kipchoge running a 5K uh, at the end of October with a twist against some, some average Joes out there. And we have Bolt with some interesting quotes. Uh, also, Wayne Kalati ran a fast 10K that we'll talk about. Well, start first here, Gordon, with some fast marathon results. You know, on the men's side, at least, we were waiting, waiting, waiting. Hey, when's there going to be a, a sub 204 this fall? We saw one in Milan in the spring, but Berlin passed. Nobody ran that quick. London passed. Deep field still didn't get over under 204. Chicago, I know they had the bad weather, but that one was one in 206. And then finally, we get one here with Tamarat Tola in Amsterdam. 203.39. This is a serious, serious time and a serious win here for Tola. Obviously, he's a, a name that people are familiar with if they've been following major marathoning over, over the past couple of years. But but a big run for him and a big win smashes the, the course record out there in Amsterdam. Um, and on the women's side of things, an even more impressive performance. Now, the women have been running fast all, all fall. We saw that historic London marathon in terms of depth. But Angela Tanui goes 217.57. So we get another 218 this fall. That's also a course record, PB by two minutes, and moves her to number 10 all time. So marathons are, are getting rolling here, Gordon. Doesn't even matter if it's a if it's a major this fall. Yeah, I mean, we've seen kind of the not the death of majors, but that there are more in non-majors year in and year out. You know, you see what happens? Uh, Valencia does a good job of putting on fast times. You see Dubai typically have some great marathons. And now it's just more and more. It's not just about being at Tokyo, New York, Boston, Chicago, London, Berlin. There's these other marathons that are starting to step up to the plate. And some of the top athletes in the world are able to get there and run fast times. And seeing Tola run 203 is pretty insane. Mm-hmm. As well as Tanui, right? So now we have had three for the women, three sub 218s on the women's side of things. And you thought, maybe I shouldn't put words in your mouth. I thought, hey, 
there's so many majors this fall. Everybody's going to go into a major because why wouldn't you? All the options are on the table. And instead, even with all the majors available, people are still running in things without the major status, be it, as you mentioned, Amsterdam or later on December. Valencia, I think, is, is going to have the fastest marathon of the year. I think we're going to see something ridiculously quick. They already have announced on the bench and Jeffrey Kim Warer are going to be there. So I'm sure the women are going to be staffed with names. Maybe people we don't even know yet who are going to take advantage of that fast course. But what do you think about this moving forward? Do you think this is something that, you know, post-pandemic type scheduling is, is going to go away? Or do you think we're, it's going to increase when the marathon schedule gets back to some sort of normal? What do you mean by post-pandemic type scheduling? London staying in the spring, uh, boss. Cause I know London next year is going to do fall again. So that's going to be weird because yeah. they don't, it's, it's just tough to pull off back-to-back -back major marathons from an organizational standpoint. So when we get back to the, to the schedule where we have London in the spring, we have Boston in the spring, we have Tokyo up there in the winter. And then in the fall, we have Berlin, Chicago, and New York. Yeah. I mean, I think we're eventually, we will get back to that. I mean, I'm I'm hoping that we're all we keep on saying it to our friends and family we'll get back to normal one day right uh mm -hmm. i assume that the running uh meet directors have that same intent well <laughs> permanent structural change for pandemic with road racing i think eventually we'll just get back to the way it was but i do think the main change that maybe will come of it is that you don't need, like I said, you don't need to be in a major to run fast. You don't need to be mm -hmm. in a major to do something impressive. Now, I'm guessing the thing that majors have is, you know, a third place at Amsterdam versus a third place at Boston. You're probably getting more mm -hmm. money for getting third at Boston than you are getting for third at Amsterdam, right? Mm -hmm. So there is going to be still that monetary factor to kind of draw the top talent to the majors. But yeah, when you have Tanui run 217.58, there's Safan Hassan cheering her on as she crosses the finish line. It's, you know, 217s don't grow on trees, and Amsterdam's able to draw one. I did read somewhere that she had visa issues, and actually she was going to run in Boston, okay. but had to run Amsterdam due to that. I guess Amsterdam's uh, very lucky that the visas didn't work out because they were able to get a sub-218 runner on their course. Um, yeah, very impressive. And I did see a, a tweet somewhere that she dedicated her performance to Agnes uh, Tiprop, who passed Kira, away. Yeah. Kirops, apologies, um, who passed away a few days ago. So, um, yeah, it's a very impressive run. Mm -hmm. I mean, did, yeah, I think. What do you well, do? You think that what what do you think that uh, I'm stumbling over myself but every time it's like all right if you had to like rank the top marathoners of the world top three you think it'd just be gold silver bronze at the olympics mm -hmm. well obviously marathon you know there's going to be a bunch of major champions where do you think tanui now will be ranked at the end of the year subjectively with this 217.58 on a non-major course She's run enough to where you'd say she's legitimate, right? She's not just a flash in the pan who's going to run one race. Now, this the 217 is a big jump up, but 
this is her third marathon this year. She'd run two twenties before she's been around. So I'll put her in the top five. I still feel good about, uh, Jip Koskai and Jip cheer cheer. And then I'm still hanging with Bridget Koskai. I know she got beat in London, got beat at the Olympics, but she has a two fourteen world record. And she also, even though she's getting beat, she's losing to good people. And I think that counts for something in the marathon right now, right? Like the fact that you're jumping, you could, you could easily jump in a race, run a fast time where no one is near you and say, I, I deserve a high ranking, but you know, cause guy is attracting good competition. She's losing to good competition, but she's still attracting good competition. I think, you know, Dubai's always been fast and it's never been a major. So we've, and Frankfurt's, you know, produced some fast times. And it's never been a major, but I think what we're seeing here is there's so many plan B's and C's and D's now for marathon runners that if stuff comes up with injury or like you're saying here with a visa issue, it doesn't ruin their season in, in a way that maybe it would have in the past. Cause there's just so much depth in the marathon right now that they can have a, a last minute change and they can still get in a very high quality race. And I think that's, that's a little bit um, of an advantage for this current era that maybe, maybe it wasn't there in the past where there's just like, okay, I'm putting out all my eggs into one basket. Something goes wrong. Oh, I'm screwed. And they're also willing to race a lot. Right. And that's quite, sort of like a throwback to way, way back in the day, but they're willing to race more too. So they, they have multiple opportunities set up. And when you have multiple opportunities set up, that just gives you more chances to succeed. So I think you're seeing that as well too. Yeah. Very impressive. You can watch the replay on flow track. Um, also the Paris marathon. The replays on flow check from the past weekend so mm -hmm. lots of marathons on flow this year which is pretty fun so race play flowtrack.com speaking of marathons and speaking of paris Ed kipchoge is gonna run a 5k on the champ de Lisey on october 31st he's going up against 2000 competitors gordon but these competitors will not be Kennedy Sibikele and his normal marathon compatriots. No, he's running against a group of average runners who will have a head start. I don't know how big of a head start it is. I think it's staggered based on your entry time and your ability. And the catch here, if you can hold him off, Gordon, if you can beat him, you will gain entry into the Paris 2024 mass race, which just found out about that recently. Paris is like, you know what? Staging an Olympics, not difficult enough not enough of a logistical headache what we're going to do is after the regular marathon in 2024 we're going to host a mass race so people can run the same course that the runners just ran so if you hold off kipchoge and you beat him air quotes beat him i'd call it a win because it's kipchoge then you gain entry into this paris 2024 marathon which i'm guessing is going to be an extremely coveted coveted race so my first question is how do you get we know how you get entry into the, the Paris mass race. How do you get entry yeah. into this race? Because it says 2,000 runners. How do they select those yeah. 2,000 runners? You got to click. You got to click the link and figure. I saw there was an application process there. I Here's what I think they should do. Because they're only limiting it to 2,000, and they're going to stagger the starts, right? I think they should do a lot of research on these 2,000 people and actually figure out. No, because I, I want a straightaway situation. Where it's Kipchoge trying to run down five, like literally 2,000 people. So I don't want anybody lying 
about their time and saying, oh, I'm a 20 minute 5k runner. And then you get out there and you run 1830 and you, and you beat Kipchoge. Not that Kipchoge needs any help, but I want them to dig into these people's Strava profiles. I want them to look at their recent race results. I want them to come up with the best algorithm possible. So that way this thing is just, just a sea of people on the Champs-Élysées and Kipchoge's gotta, gotta catch them all in that last stretch. I can see Travis is going through the application process. It's all in French. Yep. So um, that's the first step. If you don't know French. You got to speak French. It's the first step. Speak French, and then you'll be able to get into the entry. Here's what I'm thinking. Before we talk about what – first all right, first question, how fast do you think Kipchoge will run a 5K on the road chasing people? Well, uh, it depends. Is he going to be – I mean, he seems like a nice guy. He seems like not the type of guy who wants to crush your dreams. His saying is no human is limited, but he's about to boot these people out of the Paris 2024 <laughs> mass race. Uh, I mean, he could run. Yeah, he, he could run, you know, 13s, obviously, mid-13s mid if, he, if he needed so to. So over-under 13. I put the over-under at 1330. Is he running under or over? So my rule with Kipchoge is always do under, so I'll go under. Okay. That's a good, that's a good rule. Always bet yeah. the under with Kipchoge. Yep, um, yep that's the rule. What do you think? I think he goes over. It's like he's going to because... he's he's going to want people to qualify. He's going to be like, yeah. The but first person be like, he listen. sees that he's passing, he's going to want to be like, oh, I don't want to pass you. Yeah, I'll give you a few more, yeah. few more moments of glory before I pass you, and then, you know. So, so do you think he goes he's zero in two thousand? Do you think he loses to everybody? He just feels so bad. Well, that's the thing, like. Or it's like Paris being like, hey, we do not want these people coming to our marathon. Better be. Or are they like, hey, yeah. like, who, what's the incentive? Why would Kachobi want to, to tear down the dreams of 2,000 people to run in the Olympics? Like, yeah. He's kind of like a villain here. They're turning him into a villain. I don't know if exactly. I like this idea. He's a, they, yeah. took the most beloved, they took the most beloved figure in running right now and have said, you need to drop the hammer on all these people. Like you need to end end their hopes. I've seen this thing before where a fast person catches people in a marathon, they start behind them, and then every person they pass is a donation to charity. But those people aren't using it as a qualification race. So if you get passed by yeah. a fast person, you're not thinking, oh man, well, my dream just ended. Thanks a lot, greatest marathoner of all time. <laughs> Take your shoes back. I don't want them anymore. I watched all your documentaries, and this is how you repay me. Yeah, he looks like a villain here. It looks like he's in a Matrix episode. Look, check this out. Yeah, that is a man who's about to steal your dreams of GQ Paris 2024. That's GQ Kipchoge. What if he has to dress like that in the race? That's the twist. And he's got to catch you. He, he, he starts behind you and he's dressed like that. That's the rule. Here's the other aspect. Say you do, by miracle, beat Kipchoge in a 5K. First question is, Will that person brag about beating Ilya Kipchoge without giving yeah. the context that he got a head start? Oh, 100%. 100%. They'll, de they'll definitely it. lie? Okay. Yeah. So we already have that. On top of that lie, will they also lie and say, I qualified for the Olympics. I'm running in the Olympics. Like, will they <laughs> pretend that being in the mass start 
of this marath- Olympic marathon course for the for the people? Are they going to yeah. say, "Hi, I'm an Olympian"? Like, are these no. people Olympians now? <laughs> Might be a step too far. That we need to get some person to go. Hopefully, I mean, we have a listener in France or who has access to uh, transportation and or a lot of money. They can and can read French, so they can do the entry fee to get in this race. I want to know everything about it because I want to know. I want to know just the 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 vibe out there and the feeling and if they do qualify i want to know what that's like as well too i i think you're right they they picked an interesting character you have to pick kipchoge because he's the biggest star but if you pick someone different say bekele right bekele he's out there looking for wins at this point in his career he's not he's not, he doesn't have this he doesn't have this no human is limited brand associated with him he'll go for it i think i'm gonna beat all two thousand of you Travis, why are you highlighting? What does that, what does that translate to? For a hour, encore, poor. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, that's some French there. We need some translation there. Well, Travis um, highlighted it for a reason, and I don't know why. <laughs> Maybe you just wanted to see you try to speak French. There is no reason. <laughs> well, here's a question. The people who do qualify for this mass Olympic marathon, are they, they going to get the Olympic ring tattoos? You know there's going to be one dude who's like <laughs> – I'm in the Olympics. I'm getting the rings. No one can say Asked no. It. I'm running on the Paris course. I feel yeah. like this might be a thing, though. I, I can see LA doing it. Like, I yeah, think yeah. People might be like, hey, it's a way to get all the mega distance fans. Oh, 48 hours to register. Oh, that's so we have 48 right. hours to register. So if you listen to there this, register Hurry right up. now. Hurry up um, if you're in France. I feel like this might be a thing that might catch on. I could see LA doing it. I could see other marathons being like, hey, let's put a little community event. You know, they have like the big ex village type thing for all the fans. Yeah. Why not have like a, a sport event for people to participate? If this came to Austin, if he was doing this in Austin and not the Champs-Élysées, which I don't understand why they would pick the Champs-Élysées over Austin, but they did, would, uh, would you do it? Would you sign up? Would I sign up? Yeah. And yeah. I would give myself a huge ass handicap because I already <laughs> I have a big handicap right now. So Yeah. And you would get caught immediately. It would be it would be terrific. Nah, it would be cool. So I got caught. I've been lapped. Yeah. I've been lapped by some really fast people in my life. And it's just I wouldn't say it's thrilling because I'm just bummed at that point because I'm getting crushed in this race. But just to feel for like a second how fast they're going, it's it's remarkable. And it would be fun just to have him run by you, I think. That would be true. Because you never would you cut him off? Would you not let it be like try to slow him down? You're like, hey. No, I'm not gonna do that. Remember that happened to Rupp? What happened to Rupp when I, in the Olympics? Kipchoge turned, said something, race was over. I don't want to have that bad karma. Not not in run. I'm mean, not. I don't have any running goals in the future, but just my life in general. If if Kipchoge says a crossword to me, then I'm just feeling bad about my chances for the next ten years of my life. So no, I I think it would just be cool just to feel him at that at that pace. Even though I wouldn't, it would be like it'd be like standing in a batter's box as someone throws 98 miles an hour next to you. It would go, be over really quick, but you'd be in awe of it and understand that there's no way that you could ever, ever, ever be at that level. It'd be fun. What would be fun? Is if like someone like Bekele or Rupp? Like 103, I want to see Bekele or Rupp enter this race. There you go. And be like, all right, give me a 
zero second handicap and let's go. You know, does anyone who's gonna go in would try to get a zero second handicap and be like, it would be for Kayla racing. That would be great. Well, so in my in my perfect setup for this, right? They get all the data from everybody and they figure out who should start when. You'd have a wide range of people. You wouldn't just have a whole bunch of seventeen minute five k people getting a couple minute head start. You'd have the whole like you have a thirty minute person. You'd have the whole experience, the whole running experience represented. Yeah, all the way down to maybe not an an elite elite like someone we've heard of, but maybe a young up and comer who thinks that this is their big shot, their big break. This is a good. This could be a good reality show. Now that I think about it, maybe we get Newberry Parks cross country team. There's no there team yeah. nationals. Let's yeah. let's let's change change your team nationals to the Kipchoge experience. Do you think Newberry got, Park that would be fun to see like a college cross country team or a high school cross country team? Yeah, all run that would be cool. Yeah, it's like Amazing Race. You have all these different teams, and they all have these different stories, and they represent different aspects of life. And Kipchoge just tries to beat all of them. So again, he's not or, he's not he's not perfect for that role as like a, a evil reality show villain type. But for something more good natured like the Amazing Race, he'd be perfect. And I'm not sure how many people have seen Squid Game. I'm trying to get you to watch Squid Game. Maybe this race could be game number seven of Squid Game. Like this could be the new game for the next season where you have Kipchoge kind of chased down and if he passes you, you, you get killed. That could yeah, be it'd be a little dark. They already have bib numbers though. So they got the whole number sequence yeah. down. They got the they number system. Game. It's equality, right? Because it'll be even based on your ability. So it won't be an unfair advantage. That's what I want to see. I want to see a definitely like a. I'm trying to get you to watch Squid Game so we could do a Squid Game track crossover episode. <laughs> you need to watch it. And part of the dark. one of the conversations would dark. be what track and field events would be great Squid Game competitions. And we would create track based Squid Game comps. But you got to watch it first. For very dark, very dark end of the segment there for Gordon. Uh, let's let's move on to. Uh, Let's talk. Actually, let's stay on the roads. Let's do. Actually, let's do Bolt. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping around here. I'm gonna stay in order of this rundown here. Uh, Usain Bolt talked. And when he talks, he give quotes, and we talk about the quotes here. Uh, first off, let's talk about this first one, the one that got the headline. And this is to Reuters. Uh, he's. This is about Andre DeGrasse. Quote: Andre DeGrasse is more consistent anytime he's in shape. He is always on the podium. He says so. If that continues. On this line, he would be the guy to watch, or he will be the guy to beat. Everyone else has been up and down, win one meet, lose the next, and it is all about consistency. Gordon, what do you think of Bolt's read of the current global sprint scene? I mean, he's right in that situation. However, the, the difference is DeGrasse being consistent on like meddling doesn't really translate to an all-time greatness, you know? Just because you're able to always be there, always get a third, a second, or a first here and there. I mean, he was runner-up in both Diamond League finals. That doesn't always translate to, like, all-time performance. And maybe he's just always can continue to be the podium guy and not the, the star. So it is good. It's a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing meaning you're not going to fall off the face of the earth and you're always going to be in the mix to win it. The curse yeah. could be there's always going to be one person who has that better day, to, day than you. 
I think this is good analysis by Bull. I don't always agree with his analysis. I think he's he's right here. I said DeGrasse had the best sprint season, but it was really close because of what says here. Up breakthrough though. He got his Hey Kevin, you're yeah. you're breaking up a bit there, so you may need to refresh your browser and then you can re-say what you just said. So the people who are listening to the audio don't have to think that their audio is being chopped up back and forth. But anyway, you were, you were saying, why don't we say what you were about to say? What I was going to say, uh, I don't always agree with Bolt's analysis, but I think he's dead on here. I think he's dead on here. Um, we talked about DeGrasse, Curly, others. But Narek, uh being in that mix for the the sprinter of the year, the belt, and I ultimately ended up on DeGrasse, right? I thought I thought DeGrasse narrowly got it. He narrowly had it. Um, he did break through this year. He did get his global gold. So he is, in, in that sense, a different runner than he was a year ago, two years ago. So if I were to bet right now, I'm 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 with Bolt here, but does that make him the guy to beat? I wonder if there even is a guy to beat. Can you say that there is a guy to beat right now in the global sprint scene? I mean, you could say if Coleman runs early season or as early as he can once he comes back from the suspension and looks like Coleman of 2019, then you say, all right, in the 100, this is the guy to beat. But that still leaves the 200 wide open, and that assumes that Coleman's going to run something that fast. I think we are in an era right now where the phrase, the guy to beat, is going to be a week-to-week or a month-to-month thing. And it's not going to be a yearly thing or even a half-a-year thing like we had with Bolt. That's just not the 100 and the 200 right now uh, across the world. It's just not. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. No disagreements here. And Bolt, was, did Bolt have a second quote? You made it seem like he had two quotes. Yeah, the other one I wanted to talk about, because they always get him on a bunch of bunch of different topics here, and it was about uh, running in the U.S., because obviously Eugene is hosting world championships, and he says, quote, the U.S. is one of those places where track and field is not that big, said Bolt. So the fact that we have brought it to the U.S. now is very important for the athletes to perform and really get eyes on the sport. And he says he'd love to be part of it. No matter what is going on, I will be there. That's interesting, because he never raced there. We never saw Bolt at Hayward Field throughout his career, which was really disappointing, really sad that we never got him at pre-classic. I understand Nike Showcase, they're not putting the Puma athlete there or they couldn't pay him enough to, to get him there. But it would it just seems like that should have happened throughout his career. You want to see Bolt at Hayward Field. But it's also interesting, he's correct here too. And when he says the U.S. is one of those places where track and field is not that big, that describes most of the world where it's not that big. His home country it's is the exception, but it's interesting. You have the biggest guy in the sport talking about where the meet is being hosted next year and saying it's not that big of a place and that people need to show up next year in order to get more eyes eyes on the sport. Yeah, I mean, it, where's the lie, right? He's not lying here. Um, and also, is, is he kind of taking a dig at U.S. right here? Or is he just being honest? I think he's being honest and he follows American sports. He follows uh, football. I, I've seen him tweet about basketball and post about, I mean, he played in that 
all-star game before too. He's aware of the global sports landscape and he's aware of the, the American sports landscape. So he knows that. I mean, the one thing I would push back on is the idea that the athletes performing well will really get eyes on the sport. I don't know what it would take to really get more eyes on the sport or similar amount of eyes on the sport as the Olympics. I mean, last year we had Magic Johnson tweeting about it. We had, and he didn't know when the Olympic trials were. Um, he eventually found out, but I don't think he went despite USATF and everybody trying to get him to go to the Olympic trials. Richardson obviously drew a ton of interest there. The one advantage to it being in the U.S. from a marketability and viewership standpoint is just time zones. You get it in a time zone where people will come across it. You can't expect people who are not diehard track fans to wake up at 6 in the morning or stay up till midnight to watch. So that's the one advantage. More U.S. media outlets will probably go and cover it because it's closer. So it'll show up more. It'll be in people's timelines or on people's feeds more. But I think the big thing is just being on in a time when people can consume it. Do you think like an outlet like ESPN will be there? I don't think so. You think ESPN will send a reporter? Sure, sure. Maybe not for the whole meet, but they'll be there the first couple of days. For the write, the, yeah. write the 100 story. Maybe they'll do a feature about the women's four-meter hurdles. There's... There's a fine out. There are a lot of sports going on at the same time, right? But there's also few opportunities to capture something like that. And I think that is is worth a story or two. Are they going to be doing 3,000 words into the steeple? No. It's not going to be that level of coverage. But they'll go there and they'll look for a star. It'll be a good opportunity. It'll be a cheap opportunity, relatively speaking, because usually you know someone might go to, to Worlds. It'll be a cheap opportunity to get a head start on the Olympic coverage. Right, because they'll be able to get the the background stuff, get a little bit of information, get the knowledge ne- necessary. I don't know if there's going to be a ton of outlets going, but it, it it would make sense to me. But the idea that someone could do something though that would be enough to shake up the sports scene in the U.S. is a that's a tall ask, right? Is run run nine, five in the hundred or something. <laughs> Cindy McLaughlin, if she breaks, breaks 51 in the 400 meter hurdles, then everybody's going to tune. In. I don't know if there's a number or a performance that's going to bring people around. I just think people will stumble across it on their dial and maybe they'll watch it or see it on their timeline. Yeah. And then maybe they'll tune in. I think the problem here is kind of what I connected to the cross country problem is that even when we had like the big Shikari moments, like her big build up to her race and pre and the react the reactions after i think the problem is all of these moments are so short right it's just 10 seconds long or a minute long or five minutes long if it's a mile or whatever but it's not just so short there but it's so short short in the year because we see a, an incredible football play weekend and week out every weekend yeah. there's a new highlight of some crazy football move or a new basketball dunk or crazy game-winning shot that we see every other day. Track, yeah. if you're only going to see these great moments in July of 2022, and we're not yeah. going to see them the next weekend and the weekend after for like a three-month-long process or four-month or five-month, whatever, it's going to be hard to get people hooked. It's hard to hook someone in on just one, one. championship. Yeah. It, you need to find a way to, you know, because 
a lot of like the even the NBA, like which I I follow a lot. Like what keeps me hooked is there's constantly something happening in that sport, yeah. whether it's yeah. free agency and trades during the off season, but every week there's like so much content around the NBA mm-hmm. of people playing basketball that it keeps me hooked for a long period of time going into the playoffs. Track, it's kind of hard to stay hooked because we're now going into like what, mm-hmm. like October, September. October, November, we're going to go into like a three and a half, maybe four month long time of like no track. And for like the stars, we're talking maybe even longer, like six months. Like there are some stars who are going to skip indoor who aren't going to run until Mm -hmm. like March. And their last Mm -hmm. race was in September. And we're supposed to like, that's a long time for us to like have no like content or beat around performances for some stars but do you do you think so last year usatf put on a a bunch of meets and a lot of them got on tv and i think that was just because the pandemic right we saw the ones at mount sac we saw the ones at at hayward do you think they will do or or should do a similar type of lead up to put stuff in front of people's eyes in april may and june to provide the type of season even though we know it's not a, a real season and people can opt in and opt out that would get people at least familiar with some of these names. I mean, they could say they're going to do it, but I don't think they will. Do you think they I, should? I don't. I think they should. Mm-hmm. But like we see these like pop-up meets come and go. We think it's like a new foundation and they might do it for a year, two, maybe three if you're lucky, and then it yeah. ends. And like we constantly think this is the new structure of our sport, but in the end, it always dies off, and it all just resorts back to running in college meets because that college meets will happen no matter what because you have a yeah. university paying for it. With their but what I'm saying money. is, you only need it for one year. This only works. I'm saying just as a hype machine for eugene 2022 so you figure out 2023 and beyond later i just think if you just focus on one event you say the 100 men's and women's 100 just and that's part of the reason why this would never work is because it's difficult to just throw a bunch of resources to one event at the expense of others and you guaranteed richardson's appearance at three or four meets right in the u.s and those meets were all going to be on television and you put together the best fields that you could around her you try to get Shelly Ann or, or Elaine Thompson raw. And then the men's side, you you lock in Curly, Bromel, Baker, it, that that whole big group there, Bednarik, right? Coleman when he comes back, Lyles and um DeGrasse. And you try to get them in four meets. Try to get them in three meets. Just so you have maybe one thing per month or one thing every a couple times before you get to the actual world championship so people have just hey i saw those guys two times and then you know as a sweetener you put dk metcalf in lane eight every time you just throw them in there as as bait so that way people tune in hey man i love your optimism i love your like thinking out of the well, box how would you do and... it how would you do it if you had just on a i'm not talking about revital you know changing the whole sport i'm not saying for your galaxy brain thing but if you just on the short term you your job was to get as many people in the U.S. 
interested in watching the 2022 World Championships in Eugene, Oregon, and you have a budget, obviously not unlimited, but you have money to spend, how would you do it? How would you get people just on the short term try to get hooked in? If I could just control the world? Well, with, with limitations. I'm not saying you just like can do anything, but given given the limitations that we have, but you also have a budget, what would you do? Some limitations. So I can't, I can't change the rules. Can I change the rules? Well, let me hear that. Let me hear. I'll tell you if it's okay. Throw, hit me with it. Change rules. What are you, what are you um, so when is Worlds? It's in July? And, at the end of July and August, yeah. It's in July? Okay. First things first is I wouldn't – I would uh, separate like – August. Oh, no, hold on. Sorry. July no, – it's, it's in July. July 15th to July 24th. Sorry. I would uh, – I'm not going to go too crazy. I could come up with crazy things where I think you would separate the events into different – No, um, no, no. Don't do that. Pockets, you still need to do but, the track meet. You still need to do the track meet the way it okay, is. Okay, still need to you do regular change track the meet. All right, so what I would yeah. do is a week out, a weekend, I would have a four-day weekend. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the weekend before the meet starts. Mm-hmm. I would every weekend for, let's say, 10 weeks, I would host a track meet in Eugene. Mm-hmm. And I would make sure that it had like 50% of the field every time. A combination of 50% of the field every time. And I'll host a a four-day track meet every weekend for like 10 weeks leading up to the World Championships. So not – okay, that's even more intense than my idea. You need – I mean, you see 82 basketball games. Uh, You watch – 17 football games like people can run (laughs) we just choose not to because we think it's like breaking the sanctity of the pure body experience being at the ultimate peak in july (laughs) bullshit no i like it i like it i like the plan just make them compete you put them on tv enough people will start to recognize them yeah start to feel some some sort of connection to them or start to find a a favorite out there because it's i don't think it's enough to just hey they got the usa jersey on we're gonna watch them and then we're gonna be interested that's not enough of a hook especially when we're just coming off the olympics where that's just the highest level of it for people people don't see the world championships as the same as the olympics so asking them to accept the world championships and just tune in just because us is competing is not is not going to be enough so Interesting, interesting ideas there. We'll, we'll keep kicking some around. And every, every, every time I always like confuse myself, like why don't people care about non-Olympic running, right? Yeah. And I'm just like, there's so much awesome things going on in our sport. And I think about, I have no idea what Michael Phelps did outside of the Olympics. Yeah. And I think that shows, like when I look at my own personal bias of other people's sports, I recognize I have no idea when he breaks records, what when he when he broke records or do crazy streaks or anything like that. All I know is what he did in 2004, 8, 12 and 16. Yeah. And I think same thing with like Simone Biles, right? I only know what mm-hmm. she did in 16, 12 and I'm not even sure if she was there in 8, but you know what I mean. 
I think we, if you look at our own biases to other people's sports, how we only care yeah. about them during the Olympics, why wouldn't they only care about us during the Olympics? Just it goes both ways. So 100%. 100%. And I think a lot of the sports have the same issue where everything just revolves around that one championship. And I like to think track is different because it just the numbers of participants is so much bigger and the global representation is is larger than those sports that there's more potential there. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I didn't know what Ryan Lochte was doing. I, I didn't know. I don't know what Katie Ledecky does. I don't, I don't know any of that, but you, you tune in for those, those couple of weeks and then you watch them and then you, you forget about it, forget about that sport for a really long time. And that's, and that's the popular ones. Those are the popular Olympic sports too. That says nothing of the, the other tier sports, the lower tier ones that the, the people, you know, like wrestling. Like you know yeah. stuff like that. Like there the, the are people following that on a on a on a week to week basis. What are you smiling for? Well, you're just like, uh, where'd you get wrestling? I mean, <laughs> I was gonna say beach volleyball. I was gonna say beach volleyball. Okay, but then I realized that's on TV a lot. Um, but I but again, like when was it Misty Misty May and Carrie Walsh when they were was it the other way around? No, it was Misty May and Carrie Walsh. I was, and then Dalhauser, like I know the names, but I don't ever remember watching them outside the Olympics. Have you seen this new sport that is out there right now? Maybe this could be an event in track and field. It's Kids balloon. It's like, it's a balloon competition. Travis, Google balloon Olympic sport in Twitter. If he's still here, if Travis is still here. And Travis well, a long time ago. When you were a kid, you'd have to like, uh, Keep the balloon from touching the ground like a living room. They've had this oh, yeah, 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 competition yeah. where they set up a living room, they put different objects in it, like a human a car, wearing helmets, yeah. and you're supposed to see if you can keep the balloon up in the air. I'm guessing it's a rule you can't hit the balloon down because if you hit the balloon down, that would probably be cheating. Yeah, but yeah check this out. We need this, this is, is a... uh Olympic sports. Right they here. got graphics, Peru versus yeah, Germany. Graphics. <laughs> I mean, I always thought I was the only one who played this. This is this is crazy know. to know that it, it, not only did everybody play it, but everybody played it at a level to where they're going to do it with helmets. And why is there a car in their living room? I think it's so a sponsorship, it's, probably. I think that's oh, why okay. I could probably sponsor. Yeah, because I thought you were going to say it's a garage, Kevin, and then I'd say, why is that nice of a couch in a garage? That doesn't it doesn't make sense either way. Awesome, Balloon Olympics coming to mm -hmm. a games near you. Uh, Wayne Kalati. I want to talk about Wayne Kalati real quick, and then we will do these cross-country emails. 31-18 uh, in Boston in the 10K. Beats uh, Molly Huddle's course record by three seconds, Gordon. Convincing win for Wayne Kalati. I've always said she's going to be solid on the roads. Initially, this was reported as a women's only American record in the 10K, but some intrepid reporting I saw on Twitter from David Monty reveals that Shalane Flanagan actually ran uh, faster in 2015. But either way, Kalati, awesome. I think she's going to be great on the roads. Uh, I've always thought she's going to be great on the roads, maybe even longer distances as her career progresses. She's still pretty pretty good uh, on the track in the 5 and 10. But I think, I think, I think I'm feeling better and better about my Kalati future marathon projection that I made back when she dropped me when I was riding a bike to film a workout with her in Albuquerque. Yeah. I mean, people, there are some of these like really amazing, dominant NCAA distance stars like Kaladi and Cesarek. We're just looking forward to seeing those 
types of athletes in a marathon, right? Talk about sometimes people don't make their marathon debut till super late in their career. Um, mm-hmm. Chesrek now has been kind of in his post collegiate career for a while now, and he's, he ran that, I think he ran a half marathon. So seeing Kaladi run this road 10K, it just gets me thinking. I want to see these NCAA cross country goats or stars. Like you say, goat was, Chesrek was a goat. Kaladi was probably just a star. But mm-hmm. see them run a marathon. Yeah. Every time they Look, run on road, I'm like, ooh, go a little farther. Just do 26. Yeah. Well, because on the road, you want to see one distance. 5Ks are fine. 10Ks yeah. are fine. Half marathons are fine. But everybody, if you're on the road, you want to see them in a marathon. Because if you're going to run 10K, you just do that on the track. But marathon is, is, is where it's at. I just think her ability to go hard even when she's by herself – I think it's just something that's going to suit her really well in in the marathon. We saw that in cross. She basically just forged her own path in a lot of those races. And, you know, she can grind it out. She she can definitely click off those miles and, and help great. If she doesn't, she's willing to do herself. So I think she's going to be I think she's going to be a, a, a good prospect in the longer distances. Okay. Kevin, question. Yeah. Yeah. You may need you may you may need to refresh your browser first. Do a quick refresh. Again? And I'm I'm going to hit you with an ultimate question because you're breaking up a bit. While you refreshed, you ready? Okay. Uh, you, you're muted or audio is not working. Okay, he's coming in and out. Kevin, make sure you refresh, and then I'm going to hit you with the question. You good? Talk. Hello. Okay, so here's a question. I'm going to make you an offer. Yes. And tell me if you're willing to take it. You give me $1,000 today. Okay? And if Wendy Kalati is on the 2024 Olympic marathon team in the U.S., I will give you $10,000. Would you do that deal? In a vacuum or with my current financial situation? Both. Current financial okay. situation. Well, you've seen how good my internet is on this episode, so that gives you a <laughs> glimpse into my current financial situation. Uh, can, we, can we reduce that by I give you $100, and then if she gets on the team, I get 1000 That's more my speed. That's, that's, no more, that's not as fun, though. I want to – because winning a $10,000 is pretty damn cool, right? Oh, you know, but I know you're not good for it either. I'm not good for it now, and you're not good for it later. So that bet would not work. Am I that confident? Yes, in a, in the abstract. Okay. Am I willing to actually do it? No, but I am all aboard Kaladi Marathon 2024. But I would yeah. also be bummed I mean, out if she just doesn't do it. That would be that would be the most disappointing result if she doesn't even run the race. Like she goes and she makes the 10K team, which she'd be capable of too, because I thought she had a chance at the 10K team this year. Yeah. I just feel like there's always these potential all-time greats in a marathon that we just never get to see. I feel like I know that's why I want to see it now. I want to see it now, right? Uh, Okay, now I'm gonna read the emails. Maybe you should read the emails because my audio is probably gonna die again. But I will read them. But what I need you to do is about every 15 seconds, just so I know I'm still connected. Go like, uh huh, like you're listening. Can you do that? Okay. Uh huh. There you go. All right, Kurt. Okay, Gordon, I'm a bit late on this. I had some things that pushed back 
when I watch the XC show and there doesn't seem to be any other way to send comments. So I will try here. Yes, this is the email address. Podcast at gmail.com. I uh, said he likes a lot of what uh, you did. He says, I get your field size, but I think I would expand them a bit more if the super regional makes sense. And then I say the fields of 20, um, then limit to 16 teams for nationals. You got that? So, yeah, he, you're yeah, not I going go from uh-huh 15. Thing. I do 15 super regional, 10 at national. He wants to do 20 at super regionals, 16 at nationals. Yeah. Sure. I'm I'm not I'm not married to like six teams, so I'm okay with his that. second point. I think uh, he wants some men and women to run eight k across the board, which that really wasn't your point. The distance, but okay. Uh, three, I think one really awesome thing about cross country is the tradition and history. Uh, the schedule as it laid out removes the invitational aspect, which I think is really great. He talks about the Paul Short meet it was excellent, and then he wants to find a way to maintain. Paul Short, Nutty Comb, Chili Pepper, Cowboy Jamboree, Battle in Beantown, etc. I do feel that not having those races would diminish things. Plus, it's always cool to have some meets where teams like Adam State and Grand Valley State or Colorado Mines can compete with the big boys. So in this situation, similar to in college football, when everyone was like, if we have a college football playoff, what happens to the bowl games? Well, what happened to the bowl games was the bowl games became the playoff games right? The, the Rose Bowl became a semifinal. The Sugar Bowl became a semifinal, and they rotated it. This situation with my pre-nationals and pre-conferences and pre-regionals, those can all be kind of rebranded as whatever these invitationals are. So, like, pre, you know, Roy Griak could be the pre-conference or the pre-regional in Minnesota, right? It just happens that bring in mainly the teams that are from regionals. And then you can also throw in a, a couple D2 teams if they want to compete, like you said, with the yeah. big boys. So I don't think the invitationals go anywhere. I just think it's about what fields are in the invitationals and when they're being held. So Nuttycomb okay. will still be a, a meet, but it could be held during pre-national weekend. You know? It's a literal invitational. You need to be invited to go there. Yeah. Because the fields will be selected not by you, right? It, it's determined by regional or conference or whatever right yeah so yeah under gordon's schedule if i'm correct you don't really get to pick any of your meets correct they're all pre-scheduled correct the pre and and like we also do things like say we do a thing where we have like a big 12 pack 12 pre-conference combination so in in this meet we're going to combine both all the big 12 and pack 12 teams and they're running together as their pre-conference meet together and we have you know interesting dynamic right so you can find ways to mix and match. This is that everyone does, everyone makes sure they race all their conference opponents once, all their regional opponents once, and all of the top team tier teams once. Mm-hmm. So you just get a little bit of connection to yeah. all the teams. His fourth point, indoor season. The, the longer season does hurt indoor for the distance folks. Personally, I'm not a huge indoor fan, so I'm okay with it. But I think that will be the biggest factor that will prevent coaches' support. Arkansas uses cross-country to set up indoor and indoor to set up outdoor, so that makes it tough. And his last point, I think pushing it out as far as you have it to New Year's Day, which I love, by the way, limits the chances of eyes on the content. To maximize, I think you need to have the championship, say, the weekend of the 11th, which fits right in between NCAA football conferences and the bowl season. It's an open weekend with only some S. FCS games, women's volleyball regionals, and men's soccer semis and finals. Uh, and then he sums it up here at the bottom. Um, he said, co- keep conference meets on October 30th, regionals 11-13, super regionals 11-27, and then championships on December 11th. 
And he says teams must compete yeah. in seven meets to be eligible with 50% of their squad competing. And he says 5K, 6K early in the season with 10K, or sorry, with 8K from conference on. I'm also like, I'm totally fine with the 8K thing. If they want to make a uniform 8K decision, yeah, I'd, I'd be fine with that too. Yeah, I like this. I mean, the the dates I'm not married to. I was just kind of projecting out like a rough draft, but like, you know, the idea of having conferences, Halloween weekend, regionals when they normally are, super regionals, Thanksgiving weekend, and championships, basically the weekend that Foot Locker happens or NXN happens yeah. in December. That that'll be that'll be great, you know? So So Jeff writes in a similar point here. Uh, he's first, he says, can't tell you how happy I am that you two are back covering a regular season of cross country. Feels great. There you go. Uh, he says he hundred percent agree that having some required qualification meets would help bring a different perspective to sport for the coaches and athletes. Um, and then he talks about the regionals, or sorry, the invitational point as well, too. He brings up chili pepper, Oklahoma state, Wisconsin, Griac. He says with the, with the addition of six meets, pre-conference, pre-region, pre-nationals, conference, regional, and super regional. I like how people are using your vocabulary now too. This is scary. It's a scary <laughs> amount of power. Like you're going to show up to Tallahassee and someone's going to show up. Like, like, can I just shake your hand, man? I just really like that pre-conference <laughs> idea. Uh, he says, would meets mentioned be at risk of being canceled due to schools having maybe one to two other meets on the schedule that are not required? A lot of times these meets are held as a way to fundraise for the program since we know cross country is not a well-funded sport. It would be a shame for these big meets to be canceled due to less schools attending due to new requirements. But maybe, as you said earlier, with some big some meets being 5Ks, it shouldn't be that much of an issue. He said, just want to bring that up and get your opinion. Keep up the great work. That is Jeff. So, yeah, I mean, I understand like chili pepper. It's like some of these meets, you know, they're definitely like long stays and like they bring in like the NAIA schools with the JUCOs and it's just a big and there's a high school version of the race. And you want to find a way to kind of preserve those types of meets. I do think there are probably a select few that actually truly have like a long standing in the sport, like the chili peppers, mm-hmm. the griacs, the jamborees. But then there's also some meets that come and go, right? Like mm-hmm. I know like you dub Washington had like the Washington invitational for like three years in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And there's some other meets that are just like here and there. I think a lot of these meets can be transferred into that early season rust buster type meet. And then also some, like I said, other, other meets can kind of be repackaged into the pre-conference, you know, weekend or repackaged into the pre-regional weekend. I mean, most of them are kind of like a regional anyway, because if they're hosting yeah. it, a lot of teams from that region are probably going there. So I'm sure a lot would of you be South in- Central teams go to Chili Pepper, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So would you be in favor of just saying, you know what? Chili Pepper is the permanent pre-regional site. It just is. And you're in charge and you make that distinction. Is is that something that you'd do? Yeah, we could do that. But you also could do like Chili Pepper still happens but they only get the D1 teams every two years because, you know, because a lot yeah. of these meets have a lot of non-D1 competition and they have like a D1 right. invitational race. So their mate can still happen, but every other year it has like, we are the official like pre-conference mm-hmm. meet of the year. And every even year we yeah. get all the conference teams from Big 12 to come. You know, yeah. it's kind of, I think there's flexibility. The overall goal is you yeah. 
guarantee, like, I know Penn State is going to play everyone in the Big Ten once in a football game. I want to know that Penn State cross-country is going to race everyone in the Big Ten twice, everyone in the regional twice, and everyone in the top 25 twice. Do they play no. everyone once? I don't think they play everyone once. I think there's too many teams in the no, now. No, for some, no, but, but they play everyone in their division at least once. I get your point. Yeah. I think something is going to need to be sacrificed, and you got to figure out what it is. And if it's, hey, we don't get to see Grand Valley State run against these D1 teams, you got to weigh that against having a compelling regular season. Because the moment, the moment you start making exceptions, and and changing things, it just backslides into what we have now, which is just the free for all. And I like to. I've been to a lot of these meets as well too. I know that they have history attached to them. But yeah, I think there's a way to incorporate and and really raise the stakes on the meet, which I think would be fun too. Imagine if you're a high school yeah. kid and you're going to one of these meets, and then you're watching. You get a front row seat at Gordon Max Pre Regional. That could change the way you view the sport forever, potentially. No, but it would be. There would actually be a chance that you'd see the all stars really going for it, right? Like, which I know most people, high school kids, they see fast college runners and it doesn't matter to them because they all look fast. But to the people who are well acquainted, you're seeing a quality meet at that point. Like, that's a showcase meet that you're seeing. That'd be cool. Yeah. And, you know, you can have people bid for it too. Like, the uh, South Central regional coaches can like say to th for the next three years chili pepper is going to be our official pre-regional course yeah. and you know you could have the pac-12 people decide hey stanford your stanford invitational is now going to be the host for all of our pre-conference meets for the next yeah. two years yeah yeah hey bill dillinger you're now the pre-regional you're the pre-conference course for mm -hmm. 2025 but pre-conference would change based on where conference was held. And most, well, not most, but a lot of conferences rotate where that meet is yeah. held too. So that would rotate, which is fine. Again, track and field uh, knocked down a 99-year-old stadium that held so much tradition and history. I think, you know, we'll get by without <laughs> these meets being perfect, right? Perfect every single year. Like if if – there's a limit on who can go, or you're right. It's every other year the D1 teams aren't there. I think we'll be all right. I feel like you add the number of years of the how old Hayward Field is every time you get up, want to bring it up as they're willing to tear down a 2,000-year-old before Jesus was born. No, I stadium. think it's 99. Wasn't it 99? I thought it was – I think it's 99 because I was like, man, they could have like waited a year and done 100. No? That's how bad they wanted to knock that thing. Yeah. No, I think it's uh, – I think more sport, sports should knock down the throne, the cathedrals. I think it would be way better off. That's why Wrigley hey, Field – Hey, Yankee Stadium did it. Yeah. Do you think yeah. – there's Cameron, probably a lot of Cameron, people like you who are upset yeah. when Yankee Stadium got torn down. Yeah, we're in a text chain, chain together. We all – we get really mad. It's me and a bunch of really, really old dudes. It's just great. <laughs> uh, okay, we did a great job, Gordon. We touched on a lot of topics, marathon, cross country, Kipchoge chasing people down in a 5k Usain Bolt's views on the world Wayne Kalati's future on the roads my internet barely held up some say it didn't hold up because I went out a couple times but I made it to the finish line that's all that counts 
Uh, thanks to Travis for producing. Thanks to Colt, as always, the greatest podcast producer ever to hail from <laughs> Kansas. I just want to say that. As I, he stopped the music. Right as I say that, he, he stopped the music. Why, Colt? Come on, man. I was gonna say Manhattan. Okay, good. There it is. There it is. All right, I couldn't hear it. There was not enough in my headphones. Anyway, uh, we're back Wednesday. Gordon, I'll have an interview. We'll talk some more stuff about track and field. I'll have better internet, I promise. Bye. Let's go, Emmanuel Sanders. Fantasy. <laughs>